When Babylon B is closer to real news than the news, you know there's a problem. Good thing there's a source to help sort things out. We're TNN, the Truth News Network. And with the facts is Dan Newman. Well, we're just going to figure stuff out. I mean, after all, that's what it's all about, us together doing that every day here at TNN Live. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new week. Welcome to the last day of the first half of the month of June, and it's probably where you're listening from today, at least in the continental United States, a bit uh, hot, let's call it sweltering heat, especially in the Southwest, even where I am. It was 80 degrees at 6 a.m. today, and I look to find that uh, humidity. That determines in the South how hot it really is. 93% this morning, our relative humidity. Now, let me put that in perspective for you. Um, I spent a lot of time in southwest Nevada. Actually, it's southeast Nevada. But anyway, in Nevada, because of uh, business stuff, out there quite a bit back in the early decade, a decade ago. And um, it got really hot in Las Vegas. Um. My client was Valley Hospital in Las Vegas. And so the administration there, the hospital CEO and the CFO were big golfers. So we had to golf when we went out there. And we golfed in the summer because we went out in the summer. They would wait until 11 a.m. to tee off because they wanted to make sure they got out there and got the benefit of the heat that day. And they used to laugh at us about heat. They said, you know, it's 115 degrees, 112, but there's no humidity. Let me just say this. I don't care where you are, 115, 116, 17 degrees. I don't care what your humidity is. That's that's pretty darn hot. But let me tell you what it feels like right now, 80 degrees and outside here in Northwest Louisiana. It feels like it's about 120 degrees in Las Vegas and you can't sweat enough to get cool. That's what sweating does. Anyway, all that I'm saying, I think we're going to have a hot summer. I really do. I believe the nation is going to struggle. And I don't think, uh uh-oh, I'm about to get canceled. I don't think it has anything to do with climate change other than when it gets summertime, it gets hotter. That's climate change, right? I don't think the climate itself is drastically morphing into some phenom that we can't touch like those climatologists self-appointed on the left feel like they have the authority to say. Nevertheless, folks, what we have to do is find ways to deal with what we have to do. And I encourage you today. I I really encourage you today. I, I was awakened at 3.30 this morning. Don't ask me what woke me up. Don't ask me why. But lay in bed, started thinking through a lot of problems And something just slapped me between the eyes. It was like, you say you're a Christian, you trust God. And that means that you believe God's going to help with problem solving in your life, in your business, in your family. And I thought, yeah, that's, that's exactly what I feel like. I'm 67, I've seen it happen again and again, over and over. 
And I trust that God is going to help me as a Christian through those things. He's going to give me information, going to give me thoughts, help me understand things that I couldn't understand on my own. I get all that. But I don't know about you, but here's what I'm tempted to do. Yeah, oh, it's a big thing. I trust God. I'm a Christian. I believe the Bible. I believe everything in the Bible is true, and I believe the Bible is for us today. God's going to meet my needs. But you know what we do? Over and over and over again, here's what we do. We minimize God's power while we maximize our needs. Sometimes so much so, folks, that what we're praying for really isn't our need. It's for a want. Now, don't get me wrong. God said he delights in giving us the desires of our hearts. He wants to bless us. He wants us to be successful at the things that we do. He wants all that, your family, everything. But sometimes we call what's a want. We make it a need and we get mad at God if he doesn't do it the way we think he ought to work it out. When sometimes what we're asking for really isn't a need. I can tell you this, he's on the hook for one thing. Not what we want, but he's on the hook from his own mouth to provide for our needs. In fact, he told us he'd provide for our needs not according to the level of our need, but according to his riches, which means pretty much every need that we have, he's got more than what we need to take care of it. So today, this week, this summer, in the middle of everything, in the middle of 600,000 Americans dying over the last 14, 15 months at the hands of COVID-19, in the middle of all of that, in the middle of the uncertainty, in the middle of all the political chaos in which we find ourselves every day, let me ask you this. Do you trust God? Do you trust him? Now, don't get cavalier about that. If you do, you do. If you don't but think you do, how do you figure out if you just think that you trust God? Let me give you a little clue. Do you know human nature itself is for us not to trust God? Human nature itself is for what's called by... Um, the big psychoanalyst in the world through human history, self-actualization. Now, what does that mean? That means human nature says, hey, I got to do everything I can do. I got to try everything. I got to work everything out on my own. I've got it to be, I've got to let it be me. I've got to make it me. It's called self-actualization, which is a characteristic we're born with. Some of us let it operate more so than do others, but nevertheless, it's always there. For you Christians, listen. You remember what Jesus said a lot when he was hanging on the cross right before he died? Now, this is the Son of God. He came from heaven to earth. He took on human form. And his fellow humans have beat him, put a crown of thorns on his head, poked him in the side, hung him on a cross to bleed and die. Now, remember, he's the son of God. One thing he said always stuck out in my mind. He looked to heaven and said, Father, he's speaking to his father, God, why have you forsaken me? Now, wait a minute. 
He's the Son of God. He knows everything. He's part of the Godhead, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He, he, he's been in heaven since eternity began, if it ever did begin. He knows God. He knows all about God and God's power and what he can do and that he's doing, he's on a mission being here on earth. All that is going through his mind. And his father said, hey, you go and do this. They're going to kill you. They're going to sacrifice you, but I'll take care of you. And here's Jesus knowing all of that. And he says, why have you forgotten about me? Why are you letting all this happen to me? He knew why. Now, what's the significance of that? Listen, he was hanging on that tree, not as the son of God. He took on human form, remember, when he was born. Walked the earth for 33 and a half years. And doing so, he felt every temptation, every battle, every bit of warfare that you and I would ever go through. And so... I haven't gone through what he went through that last day of his life on earth. You haven't either. So who are we to say the son of God was questioning the creator of the world? How dare he? But the point of this is to let you know, even the son of God questioned his father. And if he of all people, would question his father. I would think God understands when we do. I'm not saying our doing so is okay. I'm saying that's part of human nature. But what we've got to do, folks, is we've got to push through. How do you do that? As I said a few moments ago, the best way to do it is reject the temptation to maximize all the troubles tribulations, heartaches, pain, negativism. Stop making it life-ending for you. Even though sometimes it may be. You can't tell the future. You don't know what's ahead. You can be battling cancer or some other horrible disease, and it looks like maybe even your formal prognosis is you're going to go, you're going to die. That's a maybe. That's a possibility, it may be a probability, but it's still only a possibility until it happens. Stop maximizing all the negative things that really are in your life. And stop minimizing the power of God to take care of your needs. What do you need today? Ask him for it. And then just believe he's going to do it. If it's a need, he said. I'm going to provide for you. That's pretty cut and dry, don't you think? And who, who, oh, who, in this world in which we find ourselves doesn't feel like we need, we need some needs met. We as a nation need some needs met. We as a human race, we need some needs met. And we have significant needs just look around you. Why don't you why don't you make this little promise? Why don't you try this this week? Stop looking inward. Stop looking and spending too much time delving into your life. And I again I'm not minimizing any of the 
roadblocks, the challenges you face. I'm not at all. That's not what this is about. But start looking around you instead of looking into yourself every morning when you wake up. Look around you. Think about this. 43 people were shot during the weekend in Chicago. 43. Three of them fatally. 32 were shot Friday into Sunday morning. This is just nuts that this is happening in the United States of America. Last weekend, 55 people were shot, five of them fatally in Chicago. The National Fraternal Order of Police notes that homicides in Chicago January 1st of this year through June 9th are up 5% over the same time last year, up 30% over two years ago. 1,538 people were shot in Chicago in January through June 11th. That's 184 more than were witnessed during that same time frame a year ago. So what, what what's causing all of this? It's just, it's a combination of things, folks. There's not one single thing going on, but there is a common denominator in all of this. And what is it? People. People. Now, there's a bunch of shootings. There's a bunch of killings. And because of that, the panacea, the cure for it all, according to our Democrat Party leaders, including our president, cure for it all, outlaw guns. Outlaw guns. When you put that thought in the context of what's happening every day, (laughs) in Chicago, I guarantee you, every one of those guns that were used in those criminal acts maybe an exception of one or two, every one of them are illegal already. The people that have them in their hands that pull the trigger or criminals before they even shoot this past weekend. We can try to fix symptoms. We can fight, try to address symptoms. But what we need to do is get to the core. What are the problems? People are the problems. How do we take care of people? I mean, we, we're, we're all alive. We can't exterminate the race, the human race from North America. That obviously wouldn't work. So what do we do? i tell you the most beautiful thing that our creator gave to us is the ability to discern, to think through, and make decisions, make choices. And it works pretty well when we do it. It really does. And that is pretty significant in itself, that we're able to figure a lot of things out. So, novel idea. Lori Lightfoot, the mayor of Chicago. Why the heck is she allowing this to go on every weekend in her city? 1,500 people shot this year. Why is she allowing that to happen every week? And as we get closer to summer, you know, the hotter it gets, the numbers go up. People are outside interacting with each other. Tempers flare. People shoot guns and people die. So it's only going to get worse. Novel idea. That discernment that we all were given by the creator, that we can think things through and figure out the right and the wrong about everything, what to do, what not to do. Why don't we just put that in practice through a thing called, oh, I don't know, the rule of law? 
Mayor Lightfoot, why don't you empower your law enforcement agencies across your city to simply enforce the laws that your legislators in Cook County and in Chicago have put in force regarding shooting others, regarding shooting guns at all that aren't licensed, that aren't registered, that aren't aren't obtained legally. I think you'll find out that it's not guns that are shooting and killing people. If you're objective, you already know that. You're not objective, Ms. Mayor, and we know that. But it's about time that this stops. And your sycophant, egregious lockdown control policies don't work. And there's one way to stop all of this shooting. And there's only one way. And you know what it's called? Change. If what you're doing doesn't work, why the heck would you keep on doing it every weekend? And that that very famous saying that a friend of mine in New Mexico said to me a year and a half ago, it just blew me away when I heard it. Never thought about this in my life. (laughs) And I've been around a long time. If you want change, here's how it works, folks. Nothing changes if nothing changes. Whatever the circumstances that need to change, they won't change until change is made within the things that cause the circumstances to occur. Like, get the guns out of the hands of criminals. And work backwards from there. Same thing in Baltimore. Same thing in Philadelphia and Seattle and Portland and New York City. Other cities around the United States facing the same things, the same problems. Leaders, did you take the oath of office that you would lead and protect the citizens on your watch? Did you mean what you said? Isn't it stupid when you know something that needs to be changed, you choose not to change it, And the same circumstances happen over and over and over again. And you sit there and scratch your head and say, I can't understand why this continues. Nothing changes if nothing changes. 43 people shot in one weekend in one city, one of our major cities, a city that I love dearly. I love Chicago. I've spent a lot of time in Chicago. I like the people there. I like the layout of the city. I like downtown Chicago. I like it on the the lakefront. But it's not safe there, and it's not because of anything other than people are making evil decisions and choices and leadership, people that were voted for and chosen to lead the city away from this illegality that's consuming many of our cities in the U.S. You're not doing your job. Just do your job. Same thing we say when we look at D.C. and we shout our objections to the way they're handling operations of our government. Just do your job. Congress, your job. Make laws. Debate. Write. Debate. Write. Change. Edit. Pass legislations, then send it to the White House 
to be signed into law. Mr. President, sign into law all the things that need to instigate change in the nation and stop unilaterally forcing your personal ideals on the American people in contravention of the constitutional structure of the rule of law. Congress, rein in any president, this president, the previous one, the next one, any of them who unilaterally take so much power to really implement legislation that hasn't been passed by you. Do what you're supposed to do. Stop the insanity. Nothing changes if nothing changes. So it's been a pretty busy weekend. I mean, Joe, oh my gosh, he and Jill, they love it in the UK. Oh my goodness, did you see all the videos and the pictures of them? Oh, they love that countryside. Joe actually made the statement to the media, I don't ever want to go home. And when he said that, millions of Americans shouted at their television, stay, stay. (laughs) Oh, he and Boris could tag team the UK in leadership, couldn't they? Hey, they got rid of one of their arch nemesis over the weekend. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu is gone from leadership in the Israeli government, at least for a few months. He lost by one vote. (laughs) How long do you think it'll take before the Israeli people say, uh, 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 well, why would you say that, Dan? You don't know what the new guy is going to be like. I know what he represents, and he represents a version, an Israeli Jewish version of guess who, Joe Biden. Nothing changes if nothing changes. That's a good that's a good talking point for you to put in your life. You got problems? You got problems that aren't being directly caused by other people probably means you're doing something or not doing something that allows them to happen. Nothing changes if nothing changes. Give it a whirl. I mean, what could it hurt? All of Americans that feel, they felt in the past and they feel once more that Joe Biden's got some obligations to some foreign not so good people and governments. The fears and concerns are playing out very quietly, but they're playing out. You know what the latest is? Besides the stuff that Biden got involved in in the G7 meetings over this past weekend. Besides that, on Friday, Afternoon, They always do the big deals on Friday afternoon because most Americans aren't paying attention to the news on the weekend, so they can kind of slip it by. Joe lifted sanctions against three former Iranian officials and two companies that did business in Iran with its oil companies. Now, of course, administration officials insisted the sanctions relief was routine. And it was, it was necessary and merited by a verified change in behavior or status on the part of the sanctioned parties. Now, they didn't talk about what had changed. Nothing changed, folks. Nothing changed. Other than Joe Biden won the White House 
and is the President of the United States, and when it comes to sanctions, as has happened in the past, even though Congress is where that should occur, Joe Biden unilaterally, he said, ah, we're going to lift the sanctions. He's got us pointed getting back in that JCPOA, that nuclear deal, which gives Iran a green light to go right back to the development of intercontinental nuclear missiles that they say, they brag about, they're going to point them at us. And of course, Israel. Why would it be necessary for Joe Biden to lift all these sanctions? Look what he's done to already the United States energy sector. He basically destroyed our self-reliance that was built very carefully over a number of years. We became energy independent in October of last year under Donald Trump. First time in decades. And in one failed swoop, Joe Biden took care of that. You know who we now rely on for energy? Listen to this. This is going to blow your mind. Two things he did. He canceled the XL pipeline permit. That means now our friends up north, they're going to send all of their fuel, Canada, instead of coming down to our Gulf Coast through the XL pipeline, it's all going to go to the west coast of Canada where it gets on these big oil freighters and it makes it perfectly possible and cost-effective for them to just shoot it across to China. The biggest oil consumer on planet Earth, they're looking everywhere for oil. What does that mean? That means now, folks, we are buying our oil once again from OPEC. Those Arab nations overseas, and we've seen through the years, through decades, when they want to bring the United States to its knees, what do they do? They just up the price of oil per barrel. Why? Because they can. They control it. They control what we get. And then the other big supplier of energy now, because of Joe Biden, is Russia once more. Russia, of all places, now controls natural gas for most of northern Europe. So in just a few months, folks, this is what this administration has showed it's all about. And they are unabashedly rubbing it in the faces of everyone who was and is against these policies that put us in the horrible position we found ourselves in under Barack Obama and Joe Biden for eight years. We're right back in the saddle again, where we're relying on our foreign bad actors. And Joe's over there telling everybody how great things are going to be with him and Vladimir Putin. Vladimir, you remember when that first hack took place and the colonial pipeline came offline because Russian hackers took it offline, Joe said, I'm, you know, I'm the big guy in all of this. I know. I reached out to Vladimir, and I know they're in Russia. But I gave him a pass. Why the heck would a president of the United States give any leader of Russia a free pass. Nothing happens in that nation that Moscow doesn't know about. The Kremlin's involved in every decision that's made on anything, especially anything that's international. Those hackers over there, 
He knows exactly who they are. And then they went and did it to the meat packing industry. They sh- they made meat prices go through the roof. So now we're paying 50-something percent more for a gallon of gas because of Joe and his cutting one big deal down, XL Pipeline, and opening the spigot for one of our biggest enemies, Russia. And people are looking at what he's doing and they're just going, wow, I can't believe he's doing that. He told everybody that was what he was going to do, that he was going to erase, reject all of Trump's procedures and his policies. He's not through yet, folks. You know those tax cuts that we all got in 2017 that turned this nation's economy upside down and made it the best it's been in my lifetime? You remember that? On day one, Inauguration Day, Joe started taking it apart. He's doing exactly what he said he would do. I'll never forget. When Barack Obama was elected president, people could not believe when he was inaugurated. He started doing the same things, reversing all of the good parts of Bush 43's policies from his administration over eight years. Why would anybody think that Joe Biden wouldn't do what he said he was going to do when he was campaigning, especially when what he said was anti-Trump, anti-Trump policy, overturn, replace everything? He's not lying. Barack Obama wasn't lying. They both did exactly what they told us they were going to do before they became president. Speaking of uh, Putin, you know, they're in, they're in Brussels, Belgium. That's where the two of them are going to meet for this big summit they're going to have. I wonder how our mainstream media is going to act now. It's going to happen, not for a couple of days, but in the run-up to it. Do you remember the first time Donald Trump met with Vladimir Putin, what the mainstream media did? They went nuts. How are we going to know? What's being said in that meeting? What's Trump going to say? How are we going to find out? What is he going to do? You think they're going to get along and in privacy they're going to talk and laugh at the American people for what the pair did getting Donald Trump elected? Vladimir did all that. Everybody knows that. No, we didn't know that and we don't know that. What we do know is Vladimir Putin was attempting to help Hillary Clinton win that election in 2016. But they were excoriating Donald Trump. (laughs) Think about the Joe Biden that we're watching on an international stage and listening to him on an international stage. Do you have any confidence? Do you have any trust that he's going to have this meeting with Vladimir Putin, do you know where Vladimir Putin came from? He was a big shot in the Soviet Union's KGB. And he parlayed everything he had from that. He knew where everybody's bodies were buried. He knew where all the skeletons were. And he leveraged everything in his life, and still is, to get power over other people. Those two are going to meet. 
I got to be honest with you. If they were tying on the boxing gloves and getting into the ring, forget about the age. If they were the identically same age, I would bet all the money I have and all that I could borrow that Vladimir Putin takes Joe Biden out in a knockout. And the media, they have no concerns. They haven't expressed one bit of any type of a problem or hesitancy in full support of Joe Biden. And I mean, they were all over the mainstream media this weekend. Oh, they were, they, they, every, they compare everything to Donald Trump. And they want Americans, the mainstream media, especially CNN and MSNBC, they want everybody to think that foreign leaders hated Donald Trump. No, let me tell you what. They didn't hate Donald Trump, but they were fearful because Donald Trump, they watched as he was doing things for the American people and not for the American government. For the people, was giving power back to the American people. They were scared, and I almost used the S word. (laughs) They were horrified that Donald Trump was going to do the things that he promised that he would do. And he made things stronger in Europe. How so? Forcing the NATO members to start paying their dues to create and implement the infrastructure on the military to make sure that our NATO allies were safe. Donald Trump went to foreign partners of ours that aren't part of NATO, and he shored up relationships there. Nobody, listen folks, Nobody lifted a finger against the United States in four years. Nobody did. Why do you think that was because of Obama and Biden and Hillary Clinton standing in the wings? No, the guy in the White House was taking care of business. And he didn't just walk around talking a big game. He carried a big stick and they saw it happen. So many strategic things were implemented by Donald Trump that no other president in my lifetime has even come close to even considering. Why? Because Donald Trump knows, knew, and knows, and knows better now how to run a large business, a large, many moving parts operation. He knows how to have enemies and how to deal with enemies. And Donald Trump's policies were the epitome of keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. Vladimir Putin respected Donald Trump. Benjamin Netanyahu respected Donald Trump. The king of Saudi Arabia respected Donald Trump. So did the leadership in Syria. (laughs) And even ISIS, they despised him, but they knew He wasn't going to sit idly by and let them do the things that they were doing. Same thing holds true today. We have a feckless administration, at least in its leadership. And we're concentrating on the fluff of life instead of the nuts and bolts of life. You know, Secretary Becerra, Secretary of Health and Human Services, Javier Becerra. Now, he was a member of the House of Representatives for a number of years, former Attorney General of California. Joe Biden famously appointed him to 
health and human services. The guy knows nothing about health care. <laughs> and, and Biden did this in the middle of a COVID-19 pandemic. He's the guy. He doesn't have a freaking clue what he's doing. He's nothing but a bureaucrat, a Democrat bureaucrat that all they care about, the one thing that consumes their lives is garnering power, political might, and maintaining it. So anyway, Becerra is in a hearing. Now, he's already been confirmed. He is the HHS secretary. So he's in a committee hearing in the House of Representatives on Friday, and they're talking to him about various things. You got to hear this one little back and forth. This will show you what's important to people that are governing us right now. There is no substance there. It's all about symbolism. I also notice you changed a term in your budget work. Uh, you shifted from in places from using the term mother to birthing people rather than mother. Can you help me get a good definition of birthing people? Well, I'll, I'll check on the language there, but I think if we're talking about those who give birth, I think we're talking about, uh, I, I don't know how else to explain it to you other than I, it. Ex- I was a little taken back when I just read it and saw it, that it's that the term mother was gone in spots and it was replaced with birthing people. And I didn't know if this was a direction that you were going, if there were shifts, if there are regulatory changes that are happening related to that or what the purpose of that is. Uh, I think it's probably, and again, I, I'd have to go back and take a look at the language that was used in the budget, but I think it, it simply reflects the work that's being done. Oh, I, oh, I definitely get that. I would, I would only say well, the language is important always. We don't want to offend in our language. I get that. But would you at least admit calling a mom a birthing person could be offensive to some moms uh, that they don't want to get like a happy birthing person card in May or, I mean, can you at least admit that that term itself could be offensive to some moms? Senator, I'll, I'll go back and take a look at the, the, the terminology that was used and, and I can get back to you. But again, if we, we're trying to be precise in, in the language that's used. Mom's a pretty good word. That's, that's worked for a while and I think that's pretty precise as well. Now put, put that conversation you just witnessed, put it in uh, perspective, put it in context, folks. 600,000 Americans have died, principally cause of death, COVID-19. We now know for a fact last month we had 178,000 people that uh, were accosted coming across our southern border illegally. And we found out over the weekend the getaways, the gotaways that we, we knew were coming to the southern border but we lost them. We knew they were coming because of electronic surveillance, because of drones. But then we never found them, which means they came across and got away. 250,000. So in one month, folks, 400,000 people either confirmed got in or they got in and we don't know where they're. 400,000. 600,000 died from COVID. And we've got one of the members of the Biden board, its cabinet at that level, is sitting in a hearing and you heard the back and forth. Oh my gosh, this is critical. We don't want to offend anybody. 
Well, it's okay to offend people that really are mothers that have had babies. And as far as I know, biologically, the only people that can give birth are females. And when they give birth, they're called mothers or moms. We can't call them that anymore, Becerra says. What the heck does that have to do with his job? It is nothing about anything of substance. It's about one thing and one thing only. Symbolism. Forget about the nuts and bolts. Forget about hundreds of thousands of illegals coming into our nation, many of who are perpetrating crimes on our legal citizens, the ones that were born here and are citizens, and the ones that legally immigrated into the United States. Novel idea. You know, we only allow a million to come in legally every year. That's more than all the other countries on earth combined do every year into their countries. Uh, Forget about that rule of law thing. Let's don't talk about nuts and bolts. Let's argue over the terminology of a person that gives birth. And we can no longer call that person a mother. Legally, legitimately, it's got to be a birthing person. Don't you feel better now knowing that HHS Secretary Becerra has legitimized that? It's going to make the world a better place. Have a seat. Where's the food? What kind of meeting is this? There's no food. We just said that so you would show up. What? No food? There's someone we think you should talk to. Hey, Dan, your co-workers told me you haven't done your taxes. I just want to say, you can call a TurboTax Live CPA for help. We'll help you get your refund and get back to your life. You'd really do that for me? Yeah, Dan. It's literally my job. Thanks, guys. So there's no snacks, nothing. I brought kale. TurboTax Live, now with CPAs on demand. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Don't you want money for nothing? Yeah, you do. What's the catch? There is one. Anyone who wants it can have it. You just have to ask for it. Our three-day sleepaway camp is the perfect place to strike it rich. Who are we? Well, we're the number one dream makers in the region. And you are a motivated, driven, confident individual who has a desire to make it big. Run! Don't walk! Get your heart rate above 120. This is exciting. This offer is just for you because you deserve it. Come alone. So don't wait. The early bird catches the worm and the worm is a bus at 143 industrial way that leaves at dawn so grab destiny by the horns go on grab it it's yours for the taking money for nothing i love going all natural it just makes me feel better Nothing between me and my 100% all-natural, juicy, grass-fed beef. Introducing the all-natural burger, the first ever in fast food. With no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids. Only at Carl's Jr. 
don't tell you what to think, but we give you truth to think about. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. Hey, if you want to join the conversation, we pay for the call. Toll free, 1-866-378-7884. That's 1-866-37-TRUTH. Always love to have you. Appreciate you from just simply being along with us. We never take you for granted. You're the ones that make all this happen, so thank you for that. Well, a couple of um, far leftists in the newbie part of the U.S. House of Representatives, Ilhan Omar and AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Boy, they made a bucket full of news over the weekend. Ilhan Omar... I mean, she's being excoriated because she likened Israel to Hamas. Think about that. Israel, the whole nation, everybody that lives there. She's likening them and us, the United States of America, to terrorists, a terrorist organization. That was her faux pas. The other, once again, is AOC. So she just went all in yesterday on State of the Union on CNN. She called for Supreme Court Justice Associate Justice Stephen Breyer to retire at the end of the court's term. And that would mean that President Biden would be able to nominate his successor. Host Dana Bash on CNN, here's what she said. I want to ask about the Supreme Court. They're they're poised to hear several big cases in the next term, voting rights, gun control, abortion, Your fellow Democrat, Mondaire Jones, says Justice Breyer should retire so President Biden can fill his seat with a younger liberal successor. Do you think Justice Breyer should step down? And, of course, AOC, never at a loss for words, she said, we have had very difficult experiences with making, I believe, the opposite mistake. And especially if Senate Democrats are not going to pass reforms on H.R. 1, We cannot rely solely on a wish of winning elections, particularly in the Senate when voting rights are under attack in Georgia, Arizona, and Texas across the country. And if we're not going to pass H.R. 1 with the preemptive clauses that can roll some of that voter suppression attacks back, yeah, I believe that we should protect our Supreme Court, and I bet that should absolutely be a consideration. Bash then asked her, just to be clear, You do think that Justice Breyer should retire? AOC responded, you know, it's something that I'd think about, but I I would probably lean toward yes. But yes, you're asking me this question, so I've just, I would give more thought to it, but I'm inclined to say yes. Now, everything she said, those problems, oh, we've got voter suppression. It's going on already in Georgia, Arizona, and Texas, and across the country. Actually, 13 states have passed voter reform laws, So it's in 13 states by her definition. Folks, how smart were our forefathers when they structured our government with three co-equal branches? And one of them, just one of the three, is not political, which means they're not elected, which means they don't have to campaign for office, which means they're lifetime appointments and they don't have to deal with crud that comes from anybody in government regarding political stuff. The judiciary system 
was created to be non-political. But here we are, AOC and Mondaire Drones, a Democrat, another Democrat in the U.S. House of Representatives, and others are coming out and they're attacking Stephen Breyer, who has a lifetime appointment. Yeah, he may not agree with everything that AOC believes, or Mondaire Jones, or Nancy Pelosi, or Bernie Sanders, or anyone else for that matter. They're non-political. They're not supposed to. But yet these hardcore leftists, they think they have the authority to just tear up that Constitution thing when and if it doesn't agree with their political perspectives. And they have no qualms at doing that. It's like, it's no big deal. We need to do it. If we can't get what we want in legislation, wah, wah, wah. We need to be able to take it through the federal court systems when we don't agree with it. And to get rid of it, we got to have somebody on that court that gives us a liberal majority so we can forget about this rule of law constitution stuff. Isn't it ridiculous? And speaking of ridiculous, AOC, you remember last week? Actually, weekend before last. She was crying. She was reaching out, blaming America, blaming our government, Donald Trump and everybody else who's in it because they held up aid because of the hurricanes in Puerto Rico. And in doing so, her grandmother had buckets catching water in her house because there was no money. Donald Trump held up relief. Well, a woman this weekend who identified herself as AOC's aunt. Hmm. And she said this outside the representative's grandmother's home in Puerto Rico. The press were there. She refused to blame former President Trump for the lack of aid in Puerto Rico. They tracked down the congresswoman's 81-year-old grandmother's home. And a woman outside of the home identified herself as AOC's aunt. And here's what she said. We don't speak for the community. We're private people. We don't talk about our family. Ironically, for AOC, she also refused to blame former President Trump for thousands of Hurricane Maria victims being unable to get money to repair shattered homes. In this area, people need a lot of help, AOC's aunt said. Many people have needed it for the past four years and haven't had anything. It's a problem here in Puerto Rico, she said, with the administration of Puerto Rico and the distribution of help by the administration of Puerto Rico. It's not a problem with Washington. We had the assistance, but it didn't get to the people. (laughs) Facts matter. And just because somebody's elected doesn't mean they're going to give us facts. We've got to have the ability to discern what we're hearing is true and what we're hearing is not true. There's really an odd thing going on down in Texas. A lot of things happen down there. It's a big state. A lot of different cultures all meshed together. It's actually a great cross-section of what America is all about. All kinds of ethnicities, nations of origin, 
racist, just, it's a huge potpourri of people put together. And it, it, in, in large part, it is a great state. No question about it. It's got problems, but every state does. Well, one newspaper in Texas on Saturday said it is not publishing the description, the actual description that local law enforcement gave of a man who they're looking for suspected of shooting 13 people Friday night. And the reason the newspaper's not giving his description is because it, quote, could be harmful and perpetuating stereotypes. Someone opened fire in a popular entertainment district in downtown Austin early Saturday, wounded 13 people, including two critically, before getting away. Investigators were looking into what sparked the shooting, but weren't able to get a detailed description of the shooter, though they believe it was a man, and were going through surveillance video and other evidence. That's according to Interim Police Chief Joseph Chacon. The Austin American Statesman, very liberal newspaper, reported that law enforcement had zeroed in on two suspects believed to have been involved. At the bottom of their report, the newspaper explained that it wasn't going to give the description that law enforcement provided of one of the suspects. Here's the note the editor wrote. Police have only released a vague description of the suspected shooter. The Austin American Statesman is not including the description as it is too vague to be useful in identifying the shooter and such publication could be harmful in perpetuating stereotypes. If more detailed information is released, we'll update it. (laughs) In a statement, the Austin Police Department described the suspect. Listen to this. Listen, this is not very vague. It's pretty specific. The suspect they are looking for was described by the cops as, quote, a black male with dreadlocks wearing a black shirt and a skinny build. Here's the release, the statement that was released by the police department. The Austin Police Department continues to investigate an early morning shooting that occurred in downtown Austin where 13 victims sustained gunshot wounds or were injured and a suspect or suspects remain at large. On Saturday, June 12th at 1.24 a.m., Austin police responded to multiple shots fired near the 400 block of East 6th Street. At that time, a large crowd of people began to disperse in the area. Officers initially located several victims who had sustained gunshot wounds and were injured. Officers immediately began performing life-saving measures on multiple victims. Officers transported six victims in police vehicles to the hospital. Three were transported in personal vehicles, and Austin-Travis County EMS transported four. There was a total of 13 victims who sustained gunshot wounds or were injured. Eleven are in stable condition, two victims in critical condition. At this time, no fatalities had been reported. The suspect remains at large. It is unknown if there is one or multiple. There is one suspect described as a black male with dreadlocks wearing a black shirt and a skinny build. The area will be closed for an extended amount of time to process the crime scene. Investigators are collecting and reviewing camera footage and surveillance video. Now, let me put this in context. This is the epitome of media lunacy. Lunacy. 13 people were shot 
all fingers point to it happening at the hand of this one person. This one person happens to be a black male with dreadlocks wearing a black shirt and a skinny build. Let me tell you what that does. They don't have to come knocking on my door, not for the obvious reasons that I don't live in Austin, but the more obvious reason is I'm not a black male. I don't have dreadlocks, anything but that. I do often wear a black shirt, but I don't have a skinny build. So wouldn't the actual description of a person be a better way to find out where this person is and who this person is and go follow that rule of law thing to take this person into custody who tried to kill a bunch of people and get them off the streets? We opened the show today talking about all those people that were shot over the weekend in Chicago. What are Americans supposed to think? How are we supposed to live if symbolism over substance means a newspaper won't even report a physical description, very specific, by the way, of a perpetrator who allegedly shot 13 people in one setting? This is the insanity of this cancel culture, wokeness, political PC correctness, all those rolled into one big bottle of stupidity. That's all it is. And yet, this newspaper is rolling the dice on people's lives in Austin. This guy is still on the loose, and the newspaper won't even put it out there so that somebody who reads our newspaper could say, I know who that is, and make a, make a drop a dime, make a call. It's going to lead to horrible things, stereotype. Oh, my gosh, this is the U.S. We don't stereotype anybody. You know, that all conservatives are stupid and sycophants. You can't trust them. You can't give them any credibility because they have none. Don't even, just ignore them. But there's no stereotypes in this nation. And the big problem, we're told, is white people. Just because you're white means you're, you're a white supremacist. Every one of you are. We're told that again and again. That's not racist. That's not stereotyping. I forgot to mention one thing to you about Biden and Putin. I'm not going to do that right now. We're going to take another break. When we come back, though, we're going to we're going to we're going to go um, we're going to go to Europe. President's over there, right? We're going to get the facts. Don't go away. The facts, nothing but, with Dan Newman and you, Monday through Friday, TNN, the Truth News Network. Welcome to Staples. Staples guy, my company has like seven different printers. How's your ink selection? Behold, Staples Wall of Ink. Just wow. A huge selection of ink and toner guaranteed in stock. Hello, awesome. If it's not, we take $10 off and ship it to you free. Pinch me. I said pinch. I heard you. New low prices on ink and toner and an in-stock guarantee. Staples, make more happen. Car's all yours. Thanks. Cars.com's expert reviews made it easy, but... Shouldn't there be more back and forth? You missed the drama, right? Yeah. Maybe this will do the trick. Oh, it's a puppy. Not a puppy, a wolf. What now? He's a wolf. 
and that is its incredibly protective mother. Put the wolf down. You guys good? Yeah, we're good. Yep. Okay. Get the right car without all the drama. Cars.com. All drive, no drama. Ladies, we ask your forgiveness. Please forgive our immaturity, our outbursts of tacky compliments. Forgive our browser history. Forgive our hormones taking control of us. Forgive us for thinking an open shirt is the ultimate weapon of appeal. Forgive us for opening our beers like primates. Forgive for taking a no as a yes. For insisting on playing a guitar that doesn't exist. And please, forgive us for never washing our hands. Ever! Schneider, the beer with the exact maturity of the man who's in the process. He's got the inside scoop on what's really happening in D.C. TNN, the Truth News Network. Here's Dan. It's much simpler to talk about what's happening than it is to explain why it's happening in Washington, D.C. I mean, come on, folks. Every day it's just one more thing. Next day, one more thing. And it's just piling up and piling up. And there are no real plausible explanations for any of it other than there's a group in power They want to stay in power, and they're willing to take whatever measures are necessary to insulate themselves from other people, you know, Americans that vote, Americans that vote legally. We got to do away with all those folks and concentrate on controlling the result, not the election itself, but the results of every election. God help us if we ever lose power, if the American people ever wake up and recognize and acknowledge how horribly and criminally, we are operating their government. They'll kick us out and never let us back in. You know, that's a paraphrase, but I think you understand the context. That's exactly, that's exactly what's happening in America today. We said we're going to go back uh, to Europe with Joe Biden. Biden yesterday, he, uh, he got up in front of the media. And boy, it was a fiasco. His people had to be cringing. Oh my gosh, they they had to say, please, President Biden, shut it down. He signaled that he was open. I, I love this one. He said he's open to swapping cyber criminals with Russia. Now, he's saying that before he goes into this meeting on Wednesday with Vladimir Putin. He said, yeah, I'm open to if there's crimes committed against Russia, then in fact, people committing those crimes are being harbored in the United States. I'm committed to holding them accountable. I was told as I was flying here that he said that. I think that's potentially a good sign of progress, he said, at a post-G7 summit press conference yesterday. Putin had raised the possibility during an interview over the weekend if we on if we agree on the extradition of criminals then russia will naturally do that but only if the other side in this case the united states 
agrees to the same and will also extradite corresponding criminals to the Russian Federation. That's what Putin said, according to Russian news agency TASS. In an overwhelming majority of cases, they are equitable. Both sides assume equal commitments, he said. So Biden is thought to plan on raising that issue of Russia-based ransomware attacks with Putin during their summit on Wednesday. A recent ransomware assault shut down our meat plants. That's of the world's largest meat packer, Brazil-based JBS. The White House said the hack was likely carried out by a criminal group based in Russia. And don't forget, the Continental Pipeline hacking was, we know, perpetrated by similar, maybe the same hackers, ransomware guys and girls in Russia. And Putin knows all about them. You know that. Now, let me just say this. If I'm the president of the United States of America, if Donald Trump was still president, if Barack Obama was still president, and Vladimir Putin actually initiated and opened the door to doing this, would it not raise a flag to you? Wouldn't it be, what the heck is going on? Why would he do that? And this is Mr. Quid Pro Quo, Joe Biden out there. So it's no big deal for him. It's not unusual to have a quid pro quo on any level. But then again, look what Joe has already done for Vlad. January 20th of this year. He cemented the completion of the pipeline between Russia and Germany which is going to make the country of Russia and, of course, Vladimir Putin, tens of billions of dollars selling all that natural gas to northern European countries led by Germany. Whenever there's something like this that is out there in the public forum, always look for the money. Follow the money. And in this case, folks, we know Joe Biden has got a speckled past when it comes to financial involvement, suspect financial involvement with a bunch of people from Russia. Well, that hadn't been proven yet. Joe did anything wrong. Well, we know his son was involved. Got a lot of money from a former mayor of Moscow's wife's dealt with some other heavy hitters in Russia and other countries over there that are pretty much are controlled by Russia. Same kind of situation going on in China. Isn't it interesting that Joe already removed sanctions on Iran. He's done the same thing on this pipeline from Russia. When's he going to go out there and open the door and let China off the hook? He already has removing or not renewing sanctions against certain Chinese materials and supplies that they sell to the United States. Quid pro quo. Quid pro quo. Now, in all of this stuff going on, when Biden gets out there in front of a camera, he pretty much every time he opens his mouth, he sticks his foot in it. Do you know that our president 
cannot discern the difference between two Middle Eastern countries? I'm going I'm to say that again. Do you know that our president struggles to discern the differences between two countries in the Middle East. Um, and so there's a lot going on where um, we could work together with Russia. For example, uh, in, uh, in Libya, we should be opening up the, 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 the passes to be able to go through and provide, uh, provide uh, um, food assistance and economic assistance. I mean, he's talking, he said Libya. He means Syria. Vital assistance to uh, a population that's in real trouble. I think I'm going to try very much hard to, uh, it, it is, and by the way, there's places where, I shouldn't be starting off and negotiating in public here, but let me say it this way. Russia has engaged in activities which are, we believe are contrary to international norms, but they have also um, uh, bitten off some real problems they're going to have trouble chewing on. And, for example, the rebuilding of, uh, of, uh, of Syria, of, uh, of Libya, of, you know, this is, they're there. And as long as they're there without the ability to bring about some order in the, in the region, and you can't do that very well without providing for the basic economic needs of people. So I'm hopeful that we can find an accommodation that where we can save the lives of people in, for example, in, uh, in Libya, uh, that uh, consistent with uh, the interest of uh, maybe for different reasons, but reach it for the same reason, uh, the, the same result. Okay. Normally, what I would try to do after listening to that, I would try to interpret the meaning, the true meaning, the substance, maybe the thread goes through it all just to make it clear that here's what the president said and he's got this policy in mind and I can't do that why because one sentence he was talking about referencing Libya but he was talking about Syria the next sentence he was referencing Syria and he was talking about Libya and I just got all confused why oh why doesn't somebody stop this president from doing that. He's not only embarrassing the people of the United States overseas, he is showing the world without coming out and saying it, hey, we're feckless at the top of our government. We're wide open. Y'all just come on down. (laughs) We can't stop you. I wouldn't know what the heck to do. It's, it's, it's getting to be that, that silly, folks. It really is. And in the meantime, there are things that never change. And I, everybody that reads and listens, you know that I have this issue with the mainstream media in the United States, with their credibility or lack thereof, with their covering facts, giving us reasonable dialogue about things that they catch in interviews and the landscape of going and reporting on things that are happening around the nation. It, it's a fact. Without, with very little exception, everything you hear is given to us. Written, audio, video. And it's never just as it exists when they see it or hear it. 
They have to put their spin on it, their particular version. You know who Molly Hemingway is? We quote her fairly regularly here. She's a senior editor at The Federalist, and uh, she's a Fox News contributor. On Friday, she said that news media deception contributed to dozens of deaths and billions of dollars in property damage and violent riots across 2020. Well, we know about that, right? January 6th, it was the U.S. Capitol. Dozens of deaths there and billions of dollars in property. Well, wait a minute. That didn't happen on January 6th. One person died that day. One person. And it it wasn't a cop. And it wasn't a member of Congress. It was a woman that was there former veteran, well, she's a veteran, foreign um, active in the military in the U.S. Navy, Ashley Babbitt. And she was, there's no question about it, she was in the Capitol illegally. She shouldn't have been there. But she didn't have a weapon. She wasn't attacking anybody, hadn't attacked anybody. And the Capitol Police shot her in the back of the neck and she bled out on the floor and died. She wasn't doing anything, wasn't endangering anybody, wasn't threatening anybody. Nobody really knows why the guy did it. What we do know is he, by the FBI, was exonerated of having any responsibility, even though the video plainly shows the guy shot her and she had her back to him, never faced him, and wasn't doing anything to anybody else. And what's even worse is they won't release the Capitol policeman's name to the general public. So her family is suing, suing the government, and they're demanding that the Capitol policeman's name, identity, be released. Anyway, back to Hemingway. She recalled how Democrats and the many news media outlets, how they lied again and again and again about the violent protest in May 20th in Lafayette Square, which is a public park just north of the White House. Regularly, repeated lies included false descriptions of demonstrators as peaceful and false claims of demonstrators being tear-gassed by authorities to enable former President Trump to just get a photo op holding up that Bible at St. John's Church that had been vandalized and burned by arsonists. Hemingway stated the initial story that peaceful protesters were tear-gassed by Trump for a photo op was clearly not true. It was a lie, and it was repeated over and over and over and over over again. If you saw the pictures of the park police clearing Lafayette Square, they weren't wearing any gas mask that you would normally see if they'd been using tear gas. Left-wing media outlets then conflated pepper spray smoke canisters, and tear gas, and nobody corrected their originally and the repeated over and over and over again false claims about the use of tear gas. The Inspector General of the U.S. Department of the Interior on Wednesday of last week exonerated President Trump from the false claims of the media across the board that he used tear gas to clear peaceful protesters from Lafayette Square for that photo op. This report came out this week, Hemingway said, showing nothing that had been said was true. But an incredible amount of pushback came from people. 
It was all three of those things, including, she thought, one of the interesting things were reported showed that there were nearly 50 Park police who were injured, including one who required surgery from the riots that happened at Lafayette Square. The night before, a fire was set in St. John's Church, and they had to be D.C. police actually cleared the park at that time so they could get fire trucks to the church. CNN, the New York Times, Washington Post, among a bunch of other left-wing news media outlets, falsely claimed that tear gas was used against, quote, peaceful protesters. First of all, it wasn't a peaceful environment at all. The media reaction that said you couldn't do anything as people were besieging the White House, causing the president to be put in a bunker for his safety, or churches were being burned, or these park police were being injured, actually contributed so much to the entire summer of violence across the U.S. because people were scared to death of doing anything to restore order. If you couldn't do it even at the White House, she said, you certainly couldn't do it to just protect people's businesses in a random city like Portland or Seattle or Minneapolis or Chicago. And so the dozens of people that were killed, the billions of dollars in damage, were really related to the media hysteria over this moment when the park, Lafayette Park, was cleared because things had gotten out of control in that area. And it's no accident that across town at the same time, there was tear gas that was being used against, quote-unquote, peaceful protesters. First of all, they weren't peaceful protesters, and they weren't peacefully protesting They were rioters, and it was the D.C. cops that used tear gas on all those people, not at the orders of the White House, but of their mayor, the mayor of Washington, D.C., who came out blasting Trump and saying he tear gassed those people. He didn't. Facts come out months later, and hardly, like always, folks, hardly any of the facts show up at the places like the New York Times or the Washington Post or CNN or MSNBC. Hardly ever do they show up there. Why? Ah, reversing it would mean they were wrong. Reporting that it was reversed and that they were wrong would mean that they were wrong. They're not wrong. They're never wrong. If you think they're wrong sometime, just ask them. They'll tell you. Have you heard about Blank Slate yet? It's the best board game. In fact, Blank Slate has quickly become the new favorite with everybody around here. It's very simple. Unlike other games, no one gets embarrassed. Blank Slate is all about having fun, right? That's what we want. It's perfect for when you get the fam together or play with friends online because it's a game that everyone can get into. And if you need proof, just check out any of the hundreds of five-star reviews. It's basically selling out. So get Blank Slate now at Target, Barnes & Noble, or wherever you buy games. Yo, some people think it don't make sense that I'm a horse whisperer. Fancy prance, yo! But you know what else don't make sense? Bye. I mean, it's good for you, but still somehow tastes amazing. Sideways fancy prance, you heard? Yeah. Clippity-clop, clippity-clop. Yo, I just whispered all of y'all. Too easy. Bye. Five calories, antioxidants, and tastes amazing. None of this makes sense. Hey, what do you want to da da da? I don't know. What do y'all think we should da da da? Well, what did we da yesterday? Hmm, 
yesterday. All the dolls feel like the same doll these days. I know. Like, is today Monday or Tuesday? Today is Thursday. Oh no, I forgot to call my mom on her birthday. Oh no! No! These days, nothing is normal and everything is weird. But you could still save big when you switch to Progressive. That won't change. Not today or any day. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. No way. Taco Bell's Toasted Cheddar Chalupa is back. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? They, they toasted six-month-old aged cheddar right onto the, the shell of a chalupa. That's genius, no delicious, no both. both. And now it comes in a box with a crunchy taco, cinnamon twist, and a medium drink. Whoa. Oh, sorry, this is, this is my stop. Oh, uh, cool. We're all thinking it. The $5 Toasted Cheddar Chalupa box is back. Only at Taco Bell. At limited participating U.S. locations for a limited time only. Contact local store for prices, hours, and participation with very tax extra drinks, excludes freezes. think we'll, we'll, we'll ever get any of all the stuff that happened with Biden being over there in Europe? Do you think we'll ever get a true story? We're gonna know, are we going to know what goes on in the meeting, the private meeting between him and Vladimir Putin? I'd love to be a fly on the wall. I wonder if they were pushed, they being Democrat Party, if they were pushed, if they would see to it that there were people in the room with Joe and Vladimir beside the uh, the two um, people there to tr- translate the conversations. I wonder if they'd let them be. And I wonder what they would report, if they would report anything. And don't you know that those folks are scared to death, leadership in the Democrat Party, of what Joe might give up to Vladimir Putin, what kind of deal Joe might cut with Vladimir Putin, And they know going into it, Vlad's going to be all over Joe. He's got a bunch of things that he's going to try to push and push Joe Biden hard to do and to not do for the benefit of Russia. And you don't think our friends around the world are watching the stuff that comes out of these meetings that Joe has been in, these G7 summit meetings and other people he's met with while he's over there? One little thing, it, it's you can't even justify this happening. Joe Biden referred to COVAX, C-O-V-A-X, which is the global vaccine program. Joe, three different times during a press conference yesterday, he referred to COVAX as COVID-19. The White House transcript of the press conference corrected Biden's remarks. They put brackets around. Here's the actual transcript that they published. Quote, I committed that we would provide a half a billion, a half a billion beyond the 80 million we've already done, half a billion doses of Pfizer vaccine, which we contracted to pay for, in addition to money we put into the COVID project. And he was referring to the COVAX project, which is that COVID, really COVAX, is, and I know you all know, but a lot of people may not know what COVID, he was referring to COVAX, is. That is a system whereby they're going to provide funding for states to be able to get access to vaccines on their own as well. Now, he was talking to reporters at a press conference in the UK after the summit was over. Biden's statements about COVID 
<laughs> it puzzles some journalists because they, like you and me, probably trying to figure out which and what, which and what he meant, particularly after he said, a lot of people may not know what COVID is. <laughs> I think pretty much everybody is. But anyway, the president was referring to COVAX, which is the global effort of the World Health Organization to help developing countries get access to these vaccines. Biden announced last week he was going to provide 500 million shots of the Pfizer coronavirus vaccine for developing countries on top of existing funding for COVAX. The White House committed $4 billion in funding for COVAX. Uh, I'm not even going to comment any further. Meanwhile, things are really getting tight up in the Potomac part of the Northeast United States. About three dozen businesses in Fells Point, which is a suburb of Baltimore, Maryland. Three dozen businesses said in a letter this weekend they're not going to pay any taxes unless the city begins to deal with the surge in crime in the area of Fells Point, that suburb of Baltimore. And this violence and crime included a series of shootings earlier this month that left three people dead. Last week, 37 restaurants and other small businesses sent a letter to the mayor's office stating they're going to stop paying local taxes and other fees until basic and essential municipal services are restored. According to local news reports, in response to a recent spate of violence in that area, the Baltimore Police Department's Mobile Command Center is set up in Fells Point for the weekend, the weekend we just completed. Harrison, Harrison is um, one of the people, police commissioner, that was involved in this. The commissioner said days after the letter was sent, He promised more officers would be deployed around the historic bar area of Fells Point and would be laser-focused on scanning for weapons and potential incidents. It's unclear if the heightened police presence was due to the letter or due to the general spike in crime and homicides. What is happening in our front yard, he said, the chaos and lawlessness that escalated this weekend into another night of tragic unspeakable, unspeakable gun violence has been going on for far too long. These business owners who signed the letter, they want the city to enforce traffic and parking laws, pick up trash, they're not even picking up trash, stop the open-air drug sales, and allow police to enforce laws. The trash that piles up every week drifts into the inner harbor of Baltimore and hurts the environment. It attracts rodents and fosters disease, stinks up the streets, and damages the beauty of our wonderful waterfront community. If nothing is done, here's what they said they're going to do. The undersigned parties are going to begin to withhold city taxes and minor privilege and permit fees and put those funds into an escrow account, which will not be released until and unless basic and essential municipal services are restored. That's a novel idea. I mean... The populace, general population, (laughs) is forced to hold the leadership in government in their city. And this is not a little bitty place, folks. Baltimore is a big city and it's very spread out. Going to hold leaders hostage 
And how do you hold a political leader hostage? <laughs> you go after their money. Oh my gosh, they're consumed for money, money, money. Power, power, power. And the power, power, power to get more money. And these people are saying, we're going to stop sending you the tax money. We're going to pay it. But it's going to be paid into a, a fund that it's going to sit there until you guys start doing what you're supposed to do and what we're paying you to do. Novel idea, right? Have you heard about the latest regarding the Department of Justice and the investigations, underhanded investigations that are going on? This all began to leak over the weekend. It seems that big tech giant Apple, Apple informed former Trump administration White House counsel Don McGahn that the Department of Justice subpoenaed information from Apple about an email account of McGahn's back in 2018. And the DOJ put a gag order on Apple, didn't want Apple letting McGahn know that they had subpoenaed his records. McGahn's wife also got a notice of the same kind from Apple, with one source telling the newspaper that Apple received the DOJ subpoena on February 23rd and another saying it came from a federal grand jury in the Eastern District of Virginia. Now, what was going on at that time? You know what was going on. It was the in the aftermath of the Mueller report. And there were several federal grand juries impaneled, a couple of them down in Virginia. That's what was going on. They were dying to get their hands on any information to implicate Donald Trump. Now, wait a minute. This was Trump's Department of Justice. Do you know... Have you forgotten all of the people that were in the Department of Justice and the FBI, CIA, and other intelligence agencies that facilitated this craziness against Donald Trump before he was elected, after he was elected, and the entire time he was President of the United States and still is today? The report was light on details about the DOJ's investigation. And it was still, and still is, unknown what federal investigators were looking into or whether McGahn himself was the primary focus of their investigation or someone with whom he had been in contact. A source told the publication that Apple didn't tell McGahn what they had ever turned over. The New York Times report did note that Apple received the McGahn subpoena weeks after another subpoena that was related to an investigation of leaked info related to the Russia probe. That subpoena, reported by the Times last week, covered information including records belonging to California Democratic Representatives Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell, both fierce critics of Trump while he was in office. That is the sole reason for the uproar. Let's put this in the context of what was going on. You remember that when all of those Mueller hearings were happening and the intelligence committees in both the United States House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate were meeting ad nauseum in classified hearings, you remember when all that was going on and mysteriously 
the mainstream media every day. They got a story that came out of the hearings that were classified. And you remember speculation was going everywhere about who was leaking, who was leaking classified information. And before any of this was known, there was mass belief among both members of the U.S. House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate that one of the perpetrators of leaking this information from these classified hearings to the media was California Democratic Representative Adam Schiff and also his sidekick, also a Democratic representative from California, Eric Swalwell. So now I happen to be a Twitter partner with Adam Schiff. And so over the weekend, Adam, as he always does, when anybody posts anything or says anything negative about him, he goes on the attack. And boy, he just went after Trump. He went after the Trump Department of Justice. We've got to investigate. We've got to find out who's going after all this private information of members of Congress. That is illegal. You can't let that happen. This is a free nation. We're destroying people's rights. What he's trying to do is what he always tries to do when he is in the bullseye of anybody looking after credible information that is probably going to make him look guilty. Remember, speculation abounded. They, uh, they told all kinds of stories when they would break in these House of Representative classified hearings. Adam Schiff would always run out in the hall and they'd see him on his phone talking to somebody. Nobody knew who he, when he, who he was talking to. But then shortly after that, news they're breaking news on CNN, MSNBC. And they were, sources tell us that in a classified <laughs> House committee, this person said this, and it's all true. It's about Donald Trump. So why would Adam Schiff be worried about that? There's only one reason. Leaking classified federal information is a felony. And it's going to be discovered if it was Adam Schiff, Eric Swalwell, both of them or somebody else. It's going to be discovered. What's going to be critical in this matter is what this Department of Justice does in holding those who were very obviously leaking classified information to the media and were committing felonies every time they did that. Every piece of news that was leaked is a felony on its own. How many times did it happen? Over and over and over. What are they going to do? Because you can bet your bippy they're going to find out it was Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell we'll keep our finger on that and make sure when we get any more information, if we get any more information, which is not a certainty because we know the never Trumpers in DC are abundant and they permeate every office of the federal government, including the white house. You know, whose name we haven't even mentioned today, Kamala Harris. First of all, let me tell you this. We are publishing a story tomorrow morning on Truth News Network, TNN, 
truthnewsnet.org, we're reporting a story that's titled, you're going to love this, Calamity Kamala. Calamity Kamala. I mean, this woman is a trip. She is. And we'll get into all of that. But let me lead into this conversation by pointing something out. Do you remember that process that the Trump office, when he was in office, it was called VOICE. It was put together for reporting crimes committed by immigrants. Well, the Biden administration, over the weekend, very quietly, of course, they do stuff when they don't think Americans are going to like it. They do it over the weekend and nobody reports on it. This entity, VOICE, which stands for Victim of Immigration Crime Engagement Office, Trump created it in an executive order during his first week in office back in January of 2017. It was created to acknowledge and serve the needs of crime victims and their families who have been affected by crimes committed by individuals under the investigative jurisdiction of ICE. This all came through to the Department of Homeland Security. I've had to hold the hand of too many mothers who lost a child to a DUI or somebody else who's been raped by an illegal or someone with a nexus to immigration, Barbara Gonzalez, who was then director of Voice. She said that in October of 2019. It's a problem we can't ignore as a country. Well, this administration, they told us they're going to replace Voice. So what are they going to replace it with? The Victims Engagement and Services Line, which ICE called a more comprehensive and inclusive victim support system that's going to allow reports of crimes from anybody, regardless of their immigration status. Providing assistance to society's most vulnerable is a core American value. All people, regardless of their immigration status, should be able to access victim services with no fear. That's according to Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Victims can report mistreatment at immigration center, uh, centers, and the new office plans to designate potential visas for victims of human trafficking or violent crimes in the U.S. Think about that last sentence. Victims can report mistreatment at immigration centers and the new office plans to designate potential visas for victims of human trafficking or violent crimes in the United States. Stephen Miller, who helped put a bunch of Trump's signature immigration policies in place, he slammed the move over the weekend, called it a moral stain on the conscience of our nation. He compared the new office the mission of this new office the Biden administration is creating to allowing drug dealers to get help from the Drug Enforcement Administration for their crimes. DHS is a law enforcement agency, not a legal help center for criminals and lawbreakers. So what did Voice actually do? Well, their most recent quarterly report that was posted online for the last three months of 2018, said that it fielded 781 calls during three months, and that just 256 of the calls pertained to services that it offered. 
About half were requests on the status of immigration cases, and many of the rest were referrals for assistance, such as social services to help cope with impacts of domestic violence or assaults. So here comes the VP, Kamala. Calamity Kamala. Remember, President Biden tapped her to study the root causes of the border crisis. And she's been getting shalammed, shellacked, shalammed by people who are still all over her for not visiting the border, for telling Guatemalan citizens to not try to come to the U.S. for asylum while on a trip there this week and for interview answers on her Central America trip that some made her appear ill-prepared. Jen Psaki this week said Harris may visit the border, but wouldn't specify a date. So what this entity, this bureau or whatever you call it, voice, Victim of Immigration Crime Engagement Office, it was devised to assist the people like those 600,000 600,000 criminal illegals committed in a two-year period against the citizens of one state. 600,000. The state of Texas. Felonies, folks. Felonies in two years. And so Mayorka says, hey, we got to open that up to everybody. Everybody. And by the way, we're going to create a system to give visas to people that get caught up in trafficking. They become carriers of drugs from over over the border into Texas. And they're doing so because they're told if they don't, they'll be killed by the cartels or their family members are going to be killed. And so we're included in the process of replacing this egregious Trump thing, what we're replacing it with, we're going to give those people visas so they can stay in the United States and we're going to help them out financially. That's because we care about everybody, not just the people that illegals commit 600,000 felonies against. And he just keeps going and keeps going. Mayorkas I'm talking about. Doing the, the, the craziest thing. The U visa and a T visa programs. They both offer green cards to illegals who help us solve crimes. But both of those programs have been exploited by illegals so that they can get work permits and green cards by fraud. Mayorkas repeatedly promised to accelerate uh, accelerate the award of benefits via those programs. In 2017, the U-Visa was created in 2000 to provide visas for up to 10,000 witnesses to crimes every year. But that 10,000 visa a year cap was blown wide open by exception after exception, expansion after expansion, because the law gave the residence agency officials much authority over how the program is run. In 09, for instance, 10,937 people applied for that visa. 
Six years later, 60,000 people applied. On June 8th, Mayorkas promised to keep the dignity of migrants foremost in our efforts. Forget about the freaking American citizens who have all of these illegalities done against them because on your watch, Mr. Mayorkas, the southern border is wide open. You're not only not closing the border, not enforcing the law, but you're taking Americans' tax dollars and you're giving these illegals free pass for, first of all, breaking the laws, becoming criminals if they already weren't, by crossing into the country illegally. But then when they commit crimes against citizens while they're here, you're rewarding they're doing so. This is the stupidest thing that I have ever heard our government ever do. I mean, the stupidest. Customs and Border Protection, they told us a quarter of a million migrant gotaways by June 13th for the fiscal year 2021. This figure represents the total number of migrants who avoid capture by the Border Patrol. We see them. We see them electronically, um, motion detectors, video, drones, all that kind of stuff. We see them, but we can't catch them. So they're in the country. They're here somewhere, 250,000, and we don't know where they are. The total reached 200,000 in May. Nearly 50,000 escaped over the last 30 days. In 2020, 69,000 migrants managed to avoid apprehension by Border Patrol. And that number is very seldom publicly released. So how do they come up with it? Well, it's achieved by counting illegal immigrants who ultimately escape apprehension after They've been watched and identified by aircraft and camera systems. Border Patrol agents also use traditional sign-cutting techniques to spot footprints. It's not a perfect investigative method. Sources say the gotaway count is lower than reality. And of course, in the recent diversions of these Border Patrol agents that are normally policing our border, they've been forced to go into humanitarian work taking care of these illegals at these um, Holiday Inn detention centers. <laughs> They're anything but detention centers. That's likely contributing to the surge and the gotaway count. You know it is. It absolutely is. They, uh, they can't do the work that they're supposed to do protecting our southern border because they're not at the southern border. They're actually out there... Um, doing the job that they didn't sign up for, they didn't train for, but there's nobody else to do it. And Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and Alejandro Mayorkas, they created this whole debacle, and they're forcing the taxpayers of America to underwrite the entire ordeal. And the saddest thing of all is they don't give a rip about the safety, the security, of the American people and they don't care about the lawlessness that is perpetrated against these Americans 600,000 alone in one state in two years the state of Texas nowadays it's more important than ever to know the value of a dollar or three or four or five or even six 
New Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. Tasty breakfast combos that give you more bang for your bucks. Get a wake-up wrap with sausage and a medium-hot coffee for $3. A bagel with cream cheese spread and a medium-hot coffee for $4. A bacon, egg, and cheese croissant with a medium-hot coffee for $5. Or a power breakfast sandwich and, you guessed it, a medium-hot coffee for $6. Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusion apply. Limited time offer. Join a community of online learning and find your bright future at the American Women's College of Bay Path University. Getting your college education doesn't necessarily make it so you have different self-worth or you mean more. There's so many different roads you can take. But if you have the feeling that you want it, go get it. The American Women's College is supportive and kind, and what you've created has changed lives, and I'm so grateful that I can say I've been part of it. Enrolling now for September and November at baypath.edu slash future. Subway Restaurant Storytime Theater proudly presents Jack and the Beanstalk. Fee fi fo foam. I smell the. I, I smell uh, something delicious. Hey, little fella, what you got there? Oh, this? It's the big hot pastrami sub from Subway Restaurants. Mmm, that does look tasty. It sure is. Climbing that beanstalk out there makes you hungry. Uh, you mind if I have a bite? Sure! I'll trade you for that goose over there with the golden eggs. You got a deal! Hungry for something big? Then pick up a big hot pastrami sub from Subway Restaurants. Layer upon layer of delicious hot pastrami stacked high and toasted to flavorful perfection on freshly baked bread. Topped with pickles, mustard, and melted Swiss cheese, it's the perfect way to satisfy any giant-sized appetite. Big Hot Pastrami, available at participating restaurants for a limited time only. See restaurants for details. Subway, eat fresh. Need more cowbell? Better yet, how about the ring of truth? TNN, the Truth News Network, and Dan Newman. Why don't we do this? Why don't we warm you up, get you set for tomorrow's big blockbuster story about Calamity Kamala. And uh, let's do that by talking about some of the travesty that happened on her trip down to Honduras and Mexico last week. You probably noticed that interview that she did after the fact with that uh, um, person from the media. I'm not sure who that person worked for. But this person did what everybody else has been doing, asked the vice president when she's going to the southern border. And Kamala, as she always does, she starts breaking into her verbose alliteration of this and that, and the and the reporter interrupted her again. And Kamala, very famously, she stopped and said, I'm speaking now. It's really in-your-face stuff. But she's very good about doing that when she's on the other side. Now, you may remember through all of those Judiciary Committee hearings when she was in the Senate, she famously talked over, interrupt, derided witnesses that were there, including the likes of uh, Brett Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett, both who were sitting in front of Kamala Harris's committee, and they were in the middle of confirmation hearings for both of these for positions on the United States Supreme Court. She has no respect for the law, no respect for those people in the judiciary system because she was an attorney general of the state of California. Before that, a district attorney. Before that, she was the girlfriend 
<laughs> of a famous politician in San Francisco who took her with his wife to public events. All of that we break out tomorrow in our story. But here's a compilation of some of the egregious interruptions of people in hearings in which Kamala Harris basically showed her butt. Law firms are full of people. First of all, I'd like you to pause the clock. Thank you. The clock is paused. Thank you. Pause the clock. Let me raise my objection. Recognized. I have had. Yes. But let me finish if you don't mind. Oh, I'm so sorry. And my answer to that question. If you are aware, were you aware before this hearing began? Is a yes or no answer, please? Yes, Senator Harris. That is true, and I can't have you elicit a commitment. Well, let's get so to I, No, but Susan, I, this is important. Susan, I, and I, I, I want to add, but if, Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. I have to I'm speaking. In. in 1864. Well, I'd like you to answer the question. No, Mr. Yes, Vice President, I'm please. speaking. Please. I'm speaking. Okay. He, is, he has the... Yes or no, sir? He, he has the full independence that is authorized by those regulations. Are Senator, you willing said, to do as has been well, the, done before? Well, the senator suspend, the chair is going to exercise its right to allow the witnesses to answer the question. Um, an unconstitutional program that only keeps them in two-year limbo status is not the right answer for these So people. are you willing to extend the deadline that you've already set, we, we given the, the circumstances service. of these, these natural disasters that have also occurred? So if it's a matter of public record, then you feel free to discuss those conversations? If it's not classified, you can keep trying to trip the, me up. It's Senator, not, if you could, can I get to respond, please, ma'am? No, sir. No, no. Okay. Um, or his investigation with anyone at that law firm. This investigation has only been going on for so long, sir. So right, I'm not sure I do I. And those civil rights, by the way, include not just only African-Americans, but the LGBT community. But they, Vice President Biden, do you agree? Perhaps they've suggested. I don't know. I wouldn't say suggest. Hinted. I didn't keep notes of uh, my conversation with the Russian ambassador at the Sir, Republican I'd like convention. To just talk about well, you, what you did. You know, I'm just saying I didn't keep notes on most of these things, and there's Will nothing for me. Will you provide this committee with the notes that you did maintain at the Republican convention before the podium where I spoke? My, my just, question is uh, only as I don't have a detailed memory of that. Okay, as it I'm relates to your knowledge. Men are Russian nationals. Are you aware of Although any communication? A lot of people were at the convention. It's conceivable that somebody sir, sir, came I up have to me. Just a few. Well, minutes. you let me qualify it. I, if you, okay. if I don't qualify it, you'll accuse me of lying. So I need to be correct as best I can. I do want you to be honest. And I'm not able to uh, be rushed this fast. It makes me nervous. I did not submit memoranda because we're all about conversations with the president. Sir, I'm just because asking that's you about the DOJ policy you referred to. A policy to. that goes beyond just the attorney general. The policy is did based... Did you ask that it would be shown to you? The policy is based on the principle that the president... Sir, uh, I'm not asking about the principle. I'm asking when well, you, I'm you able would be asked these the questions and you would rely on that policy. Chairman, did you yeah. not ask your staff to show you the policy that would be the basis for your refusing to answer the Chairman, majority of questions that have been asked should be allowed to answer the question. On the nomination of Mr. Judge Chairman. Brett Kavanaugh. Mr. Chairman. To serve as Associate Justice. Mr. Chairman, I'd Supreme like to be recognized for a question States. before we proceed. Well, imagine, sir, if you will, uh, well, Senator, what, how are they supposed to choose? Had you not cut me off, I would have said the same thing you just said. Probably not as eloquently, but I'd have said the same thing you said. They have two choices, and they Back are accountable. The Excuse me, sir. So, so are you aware that there are you're, local you're law enforcement? Can you finish once before you interrupt me? Sir, I, with all due respect. With all due respect, Senator. 
our, our local uh, lawyers. So when they're, they're, when they're instructed, once, excuse Senator, me, I, I'm asking the questions. But I'm trying to answer the question. <clears throat> what, a, what an explanation of the arrogance of the Vice President of the United States. And uh, I, I, can't, I can't explain it. I can't give any explanation for her believing doing that is okay. More about that in tomorrow's story at truthnewsnet.org. It'll be live tomorrow morning, 1.45 a.m. If you want to stay up or set your alarm clock to read it, it's titled Calamity Kamala. You don't want to miss it. Could not get away. Could not get away today without quoting Dr. Anthony Fauci on Chelsea Clinton's podcast said this, I've been the object, oh, this is Chelsea saying this. No, this is, this is Fauci, I'm sorry. I've been the object of a phenomenal amount of hostility merely because I'm promoting what, we're, what are really fundamental, simple public health principles. That seems astounding that that would generate a considerable degree of hostility, but it is. I don't know the answer to the question it's a seemingly simple question, and of course the question is, why do you, from Chelsea, why do you think that's happening? I don't know the answer to your question. It's seemingly simple, but a complicated answer. We've got to reach out to people and get them to understand that this is for their own safety, their own health, and also what I refer to as communal responsibility. Your responsibility to society. In other words, he doesn't know. He has no explanation for any of the pushback that he's getting. And of course, he terms it all hostility. Dr. Fauci, what about just give us the truth? Tell us the truth. We're going to be happy. That's a wrap on Monday. Back tomorrow morning at 9, 9 to 11 a.m. every Monday through Friday, TNN Live. Produced by Truth News Network, truthnewsnet.org. course of a lifetime runs over and over again. No, I would not give you false hope no. on the strange and mournful day. But the mother and child reunion is only emotional. Just can't believe it so Though it seems strange to say I've never been late so though In such a mysterious way In the course of a lifetime